Trollycox always looks good walking away. <laughs> I think you would prefer him walking towards you. Um, I'm fine either way. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, walking away is probably better because if he's walking towards me, I'm just going to probably throw up on his shoes. So, you know. Well, after after you throw up on his shoes, he will definitely be walking away. <laughs> so, win-win. <laughs> you know what? Good plan. Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, Assemble! Full disclosure, I had to mute my TV twice during this episode. Why? Really? We have one dude with rebar sticking out of him getting tortured, and we have another guy who's getting a DIY wound cauterization. <laughs> Who was the rebar guy? I don't know, some goon, but it, that doesn't diminish the pain. I don't remember this. We'll get there. Okay. At certain points, I needed to put the volume up because Vladimir just was whispering. It was almost like he was auditioning for an ASMR channel. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a Betty Ross joke and I was going to be like, don't do it. No one cares. No. <laughs> and I forgot about her. Thank you for reminding me. Welcome. I, I want to give props to the guy playing Vladimir, especially in this episode. It is not easy to play this injured for so long and still make it believable. Okay. I mean, he was pretty much just lying down or sitting. It's probably... Still, one can easily overdo it and be melodramatic about it. True. But I think Daredevil is really good at not going there. Oh, absolutely. They find a nice happy medium between <laughs> that looks fake and Bugs Bunny. Oh, ee, ah, oh, ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this episode, uh, episode six, we're on here of season one of Daredevil. We pick up exactly where we left off in episode five. And that is with Matt in a very problematic situation. Right. The cops have found him and they want to arrest him. Well, not really arrest him. As we find out, these guys are Fisk's cops. So they want to kill him. Right. And as I've mentioned before... Uh, in our previous episodes, th even though I'd seen this before, I didn't remember any of this. So I have in my notes, how is Matt going to get out of this? I don't remember. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everything's okay because these are Fisk's guys. And not only does Matt fight his way out of this situation, but God, does he look good doing it? <laughs> it has to be said. Yeah, not only does he do that, he manages to carry Vladimir all the way from that place to the abandoned warehouse. He's a pretty, you know, big dude. Yeah, That he, takes a lot of strength. Yeah, he's no lightweight. He's bigger than Charlie Cox, for sure. Yeah, so, definitely. And he is completely dead weight. Yeah, Matt was basically carrying him like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, I mean, not as dead weight as he's going to be later. <laughs> but <laughs> still pretty heavy. Mm. 
So yeah, they head over to the warehouse and of course Hell's Kitchen is still on fire here. So we find Ben at the newspaper offices still digging into this story. Yeah, Ben is looking through everything and I like this little nod, but he takes the king and puts it right on top with a question mark with sort of a reference to Kingpin. Yeah, I like the the playing cards in general. I think it's a nice touch. Yeah. You know, he's this intrepid reporter and they always have some kind of quirk, you know? Right. And that's his. And it's a, everybody organizes information a little differently. Right. And he clearly knows what works best for him as somebody who has, who very much has her own way of organizing things for herself. I just really like that a lot. <laughs> as, yeah. you, as you would know. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of screeching like, don't. Do it that way. It doesn't always make sense to the outside world, but it makes (laughs) sense to me. Yeah. And by outside world, I mean you. Yeah, of course. Well, I can't really say too much because I have my own way and I get pissy if someone messes with it. So, yeah. Yes, this is true. She says very meekly. While the city is ablaze, Laurel and Hardy. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, Fisk and Wesley are <laughs> plotting how to deal with the fact that they didn't completely accomplish the goal here. They lost sight of Vladimir, don't know what's happened to him, and they also need to pacify the terrifying Madame Gao. <laughs> yeah, I don't see what the problem is. I mean, Fisk could literally just smash her with his thumb. But obviously there are reasons he doesn't do that. Power isn't always about physical strength. True, I agree. Yes. She is an incredibly powerful woman. No doubt about that. And as I've said before, I'm convinced she's got weapons in that skirt. (laughs) I don't know what they are or where they are, but they're somewhere on her. Ooh, I did not need to think of that. No. Hey, you went there. She's an old lady. I wasn't thinking that. You said where they are. No, I the, was come imagining. On, come on. No, you perv. I'm thinking about some kind of holster. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like a holster that goes on somebody's hip. <laughs> what the fuck are you thinking? I, I, I would rather not say. Are you making a machete sequel in your head over there? Gross. So Fisk's cops, including Detective Blake here, they need to try and figure out where the hell Vladimir is and quick or else they're going to be the next ones on the chopping block. Yeah, absolutely. And then what's an episode of Daredevil without a great torture scene? (laughs) This was hardly a torture scene. Oh, my God. He's got metal just sticking out of various places in his body that they grab a hold of and just push trying to get information out of this guy yeah but it was just that and it was so short by daredevil standards this was but a scratch jesus what were you the marquis de sade in a past life (laughs) so yeah this poor i I say this poor dude he's probably killed a lot of people who knows but i'm gonna call him this poor dude in the moment because he's Mm -hmm. he's in rough shape yeah he thinks they're gonna help him Oh, goon, you have so much to learn and so little time to learn it. Well, they did kind of help him. They eliminated his pain in a mean way. Don't ever help me, please. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) I think the show is bringing another side out for me. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
so we leave this lovely little tableau and we head over to this abandoned warehouse where Matt brings Vladimir. Yeah. And this is such a great line. These two, they're in this shit together now, for better or worse. Right. And Vladimir is just kind of muttering and grunting in Russian and Matt just looks at him. <laughs> I don't speak asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say this. Matt has the innate ability to find the most dingiest places ever he, possible. He does. It was expedient, though. Yes, true. Let me ask, was there a part of you who would pay like $20 to see him say, I don't speak asshole in a British accent? No, I think that would just be you. Funny either way. Yeah, I love the dynamic between Matt and Vladimir. Neither one of them can stand the other. Neither one of them wants to work together but this is one of those moments where the enemy of my enemy is my friend yeah but vladimir doesn't want to work with matt anyways i mean he still doesn't believe that matt was not working for fisk right at one point in the episode i know vladimir is hurt and you know he's got like blood coming out of every possible orifice he i wanted to just whack him on the head yeah. And, you know, I know he's a terrible, despicable human being, a complete villain, but I have to give him a little credit. He is one tough motherfucker. That is true. Yes. I think by the end of this, he is just surviving on good old fashioned Russian spite and hatred. <laughs> yeah. You know, mix that with vodka. You can survive for 10 years off of that alone. Yeah, this is nothing for Russians. No. I do have to agree, though, with a lot of things that Vladimir says. Matt is an idiot if he thinks Fisk is ever going to stand trial for anything. And we're going to get more into this later on in the episode. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Matt is being extremely naive at this point. Yeah, even more so maybe than Karen. Why would you say Karen? Because Karen was like being naive earlier, too, about being able to try and do this alone about the potential consequences of it. I think Matt's even worse. Yeah, because he knows exactly who he's dealing with. Karen did not. My No, that's the thing is at this point yet, Matt doesn't fully realize who he's dealing with. He's by the end of this episode, he will. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And speaking of Karen, her and Foggy have absolutely no idea they are caught in the middle of matt's war yes they bring mrs c to the hospital to help her yes. and they see that this the entire hospital is in a mess with casualties all over yeah and they're clearly not equipped to take it all on yeah obviously but i do like that claire is the one who manages to help mrs c of course yeah yeah, and she's back at the hospital now. Her, She's recovered from her car accident. Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, at this point, nobody's going to look too closely at her. Everyone's just running helter-skelter. Right, and it's a credit to her, too. She couldn't stay away. Yes. She knew they needed her. That's who she is. It's at this point where once Claire takes Mrs. C, Karen really stops to take a look at Foggy and is like, hey... You don't look so great. Anything wrong? Yeah. <laughs> You're bleeding. Yeah, profusely. 
That's what happens when you have a giant piece of shrapnel in your side. Yes, but good on him to be so, like, even though he was in pain, he was obviously more concerned about Mrs. C. Yes, well, he may not have realized why he was in pain. Adrenaline may have taken over long enough to dull it quite a bit. And it happened quickly enough where the sound and the noise, all of that may have just completely overridden his other senses to realize that he had uh, shrapnel sticking out of his body. Yeah, there was too much going on. Yeah. Uh, And it may have been shallow, hopefully. It's enough to get him admitted. Yeah, true. And it it had to have actually, think about it, it had to have been pretty serious because they barely have any beds. They're overrun. So the fact that he was admitted and not just treated and released speaks to how serious it was. Yeah. They probably were, considering the location of it, they were probably worried it might have punctured his lung. They probably wanted to keep him, on, keep him under observation. Yeah. So poor Claire is just trying to do her actual job in this hospital. Can she do it? Can she get a break <laughs> for five fucking seconds? No, because Matt needs help. Yes, of course. I mean, sometimes a girl just wants to relax with the sandwich in the break room and not have to deal with patching up the guy who beat the shit out of her in an effort to help her sort of maybe vigilante boyfriend? That was rather specific. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Or maybe she could just want to patch other people for a change. (laughs) You know, variety is the spice of life after all. So the reason Matt's calling her is because Vladimir was shot in the ensuing chaos following the explosions. The bullet's still in there. Yeah. And he needs this guy to live so he can get some information out of him. Okay, here I have to say something. Matt, not only is he a human lie detector and a human x-ray machine and MRI machine and all the medical equipment you can ever think of, (laughs) he can now hear stuff. Yes, he can hear stuff. That is well put. That's it. It it just needs to be sitting somewhere (laughs) and he can hear it and he knows exactly what it is. That's all right. I'm fine with it. I don't think even Buddha had the ability to just hear stuff. Yeah, I think that's fair. This dude is beyond enlightened. (laughs) We do get a great line here, though, when Matt asks Claire... He, it's not like he wants her to try and come out to the warehouse. He just wants her to talk him through stabilizing this guy. And she's like, are you fucking serious right now? <laughs> and says to him, yeah. it's not as easy as it looks in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> and which is exactly what they prove. <laughs> yes. At which point he says to her, I don't really go to the movies. Yeah. He still manages to make her feel like a dipshit. <laughs> they manage even even as in a super intense moment like this they manage to keep the awkwardness of the whole blind guy thing yeah but i do appreciate the fact that he outright tells her who he's trying to save so that if she decides not to help him she can do it with open eyes and i respect him for doing that yes i respect claire even more for continuing to help even after she knows it's the guy who abducted and beat the shit out of her. Yes, agreed. I am not that good of a person. Really? Oh, I would not be able to do what Claire does here. 
Not not just because I have absolutely no medical training. <laughs> well, I would want to help, sure, and I would take a certain amount of pleasure in putting the flare against the skin. That's for sure. Well, she does help, she but is, sadistically. She is glad that the cauterizing hurts like hell. God, I hate that word. <laughs> Had to mute the TV. Why? Because of the screaming? Yes. Okay. Oh, cauterization by road flare. <laughs> that just makes it worse. Imagine the smell. Oh, you can just feel the infection setting in. Yes, absolutely. God. And all the all that the the gunpowder flares are not supposed to be sterilized. Yeah, and you know, we've talked before about especially Amy's hang up about this. This guy wasn't big on personal hygiene to begin with. Yeah, and they're in this abandoned warehouse. Don't see you're getting me started again. <laughs> yeah, they really need to get a shark steam mop in there. Yeah, and then when they fall through, there's so much dust and like at least wipe your fucking faces. Like I know you guys are in in intense situations. That doesn't mean you can let the the spit and blood just drip down. <gasps> I just had an image of Robin Hood men in tights and their manliness flashed through my head. Okay. You have, I'm guessing you've never seen that movie. Okay. No, and and considering it reminded you of this, I am not going to be watching it. It's a, I have no intention. It's a, it's a spoof of Robin Hood. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, so I was able to mute my TV, but unfortunately Matt is not able to mute Vladimir's screams and they are heard from the outside of the building by a beat cop. Yeah, he should have pressed down harder and maybe closed his nose. Yeah, well, I mean, Matt's probably a little freaked out right now, too, by doing this. Neither of them is thinking clearly. I think, you know, True. I feel like you're expecting a little too much of them in this moment. I think your expectations are a little bit high. Maybe. Or, well, in all honesty, if he would close his nose, the, the dude would have passed out with, because of lack of oxygen. So it would have been better. He does pass out from the pain, but not before the cop hears him. Yeah, so he would have passed out earlier, and he probably would have ended up saving this cop's life. This poor cop, he's well cast. He absolutely looks like a baby. Yeah, kind of feel bad for him. Kinda? Of course. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait! Yes. Wait. We need to have a number of discussions. <laughs> it was a slip of tongue, okay? Uh -huh. I do feel bad for him. Uh-huh. All right. Don't make me sound like I'm some kind of monster. <laughs> so I wasn't sure yet if this cop was clean or if he was one of Fisk's. Yeah. And while he is attempting to go into this building, we head back outside where this dirty Detective Blake is without a doubt threatening Ben Urich to keep his reporter's nose out of this situation. Yeah, absolutely. And Ben knows it too. Yeah, it's like if Ben didn't know beforehand, he knows 100% sure now that this guy is dirty. Yeah, absolutely. So it's Fisk's cops who have this place surrounded. And not only that, but we realize he's got the media in his pocket too at this point. You know, when we're watching it, we think, oh shit, he's also got the media. But it makes perfect sense. Yeah, he's got every base covered. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, outside, some of the 
clean cops are starting to wonder about what's going on here, about why they're not approaching, why they're just standing there waiting. And it's because Blake and his partner are waiting for Fisk's orders. Yeah, which I think is, it's a bit too much. I mean, you can't expect Fisk to give all the orders. I don't get this part. Oh, I absolutely, I absolutely think you do. You don't make a move that size without knowing what Fisk wants done about it. He is a control freak. I get that. But they do have standing instructions to kill Vladimir. Yeah, but this has turned into a different situation now. And there are cameras on them. And other people have gotten involved. This has gotten a lot bigger and it it took a sharp left at some point and went off the rails. So they need a new plan for just exactly how to deal with this. Right. So when Ben shows up, that's right. That's when Wesley says Ben is sniffing around and they need to be very careful. Right. That Okay. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. So while they're surrounded... Matt and Vlad are taking this time to have a little heart-to-heart. Yeah, yeah, they're just two pals, just chatting. But again, Vladimir, in all his vitriol, he's right (laughs) about one very important thing. Follow the money. Yes, true. Just like Lau in The Dark Knight, that whole racketeering plot that was the MacGuffin of that movie. Just like Al Capone... You know, for those who don't know or remember, Al Capone was not taken down for murder. He was not taken down for bootlegging or any of that. He was convicted and sent to prison for tax evasion. Yeah. That's how you bring these guys down. Yes. It's about going the roundabout route to get them. Right. Because everybody always leaves a trail. Yeah, absolutely. And money is by far the easiest way to catch someone. Yeah, and Matt falls for a little trickery here in his desperation to get the name of this money man. Yeah, good on Vladimir to have the kind of strength to stand up and whack Matt off. Yeah, he basically, he's whispering the name and Matt has to go in real close like, yeah, yeah. And it's so sad because he's totally falling for this, totally believing it. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh, of in the Avengers where Thor thinks him and Loki are about to reconcile and instead he gets stabbed in the side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is exactly what happens to Matt here. Keep in mind, though, he's not lying. He is right about this. Yes, he is. He's just keeping one key piece of information to himself. It could be still a case of distrust. And just self-preservation at this point, because he knows that Matt wants to keep him alive so long as he gets the information. Yes. So uh, long as he's useful. Yes. And I also think it's just also a big case of fuck you. Yeah, because he still thinks that Matt is lying and Matt is actually working for Fisk. Yeah. So speaking of people stabbed in the side, Foggy is still in the hospital, admitted, uh, despite the fact that he wants to be out there looking for Matt. Yeah, and both of them are equally worried about Matt, which is understandable. Yes. But they don't quite know just how capable he is. Right. And I just love the fact that Foggy makes it seem like the only thing that's keeping him in that bed is Karen wanting him to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're not going anywhere, buddy. You, I don't think you could run a city block without being stabbed. Well, that's true, but 
you got to admit, he did help bring Mrs. C to the hospital. We don't know how far they had to travel. That's true. My point is, he's not mad. No, absolutely not. But his intentions, his heart is in the right place. Oh, absolutely. But he's not going anywhere without no. rest and a lot of pills. Yeah, true. You know, I said it earlier about Vladimir. The same needs to be said of Charlie Cox. He's great at playing injured. He's very believable. He has to be because the amount of times he gets injured in the show is not funny. <laughs> yeah, he spends like 75% of the show in some sort of pain. Yeah. You know, and that's a very intense thing, too. So I can't even imagine how draining this must have been for him. I think the whole show must be really draining. Has to be. Not to mention all the training that he needs to do for all the fight scenes. Yes. The physicality of it. Yes. Thank you for your dedication, Charlie. Thank you. (laughs) So Matt and Vladimir fell through a couple of floors of this warehouse in their little tussle. Mm hmm. And they're both struggling to get up. Somehow Vladimir is still alive. Yeah. And nothing like a concussion to add to a bullet wound, right? Yeah. Maybe a couple, you know, more cracked bones and whatnot. What? What What does it matter? Yeah. 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 No biggie. But it's no big deal for, for Matt, but Vladimir sure does die. And this time Matt's hearing does come in handy because he can hear his heartbeat. Right. And I, you can almost hear in Matt's brain, you Russian son of a bitch, don't you dare. <laughs> yeah, he does some traditional CPR, which doesn't work. And of course, in true television and movie fashion, banging on someone's chest. <laughs> but he did it really hard with both hands. Yeah, you will crush someone's ribs. It will puncture the heart and the lungs. You cannot do that. Yeah, so Vladimir wakes up in record time. Yeah, good on Matt. He's a walking hospital. (laughs) He really is. And you know what's great is that Matt's now like, you owe me your life. I saved you. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's how this works. Yeah, and Vladimir is equally pissed off. Like, you can't even stand by and watch me die. Yeah. What kind of a vigilante are you? (laughs) He is judging him. Absolutely. For saving his life. It is hilarious. (laughs) Matt finds the walkie-talkie that that original cop had on him, and they changed all the channels on it earlier, so now Fisk is able to talk to Matt over this walkie-talkie. Yes, and it's awfully convenient that the walkie-talkie fell several floors down along with them and did not break. But the cop is still safe and sound up there, which is good. Of course. For now. For the moment. Yes. It's got five more minutes. (laughs) So Matt and Fisk have a little conversation here. And of course, Vladimir has to add, because they they assume he's dead, but Vladimir has to throw his two cents in. I'm still here to you fat shit. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. But I actually love this conversation between Fisk and Matt. It's great. Such fantastic writing. And I love it when people can have such great chemistry and intensity and they're not even in the same room. Exactly. Yes. And Vincent D'Onofrio is excellent. Yes. He does it so well. He has Matt panicking for the very first time. Yes. This is when Matt realizes just how deep he is in this shit. Yeah, he is totally overmatched. 
Completely. And while they're talking, one of Fisk's crew starts, <laughs> blew my mind, starts gunning down other cops in the street. Yes. Including detective, including the very dirty Detective Blake. Yes. That's the master move by Fisk. Because if you kill cops, you're automatically public enemy number one. Yeah. And that goes for even public perception. Absolutely. So he is using his media contacts to spin this and set Matt up for it. And he's also got the surveillance feed of Matt getting caught beating the shit out of the Russians. Yes. And when he was caught by the cops and he got away. Right. So this is all over the news. And now Karen's freaking out because they have the TV on at the hospital and she recognizes this masked man as the dude who saved her life. Right. And good thing that they have uh, a non-HDTV over there because otherwise they probably would have recognized him. Yeah, let's, well, I mean, this is the Superman dilemma. Of course people would recognize him. The mask doesn't cover his entire face. You know, actually, Henry Cavill, uh, I saw an interview of him. He did this experiment because he himself, you know, when he was doing Superman, uh, a lot of people told him the same thing. And he himself believed it, that putting on a pair of glasses doesn't make you invisible and especially a guy like him when the movie was out he stood underneath the big giant poster of it with a pair of glasses no cap no trying to hide his face nothing like that just a pair of glasses nobody looked at him that's crazy yeah he said this in an interview he said there was just one person who kind of looked at him funny but walked away nobody gave a shit and this was in london That is crazy. Yeah. Wow. And um, another thing that I, I I can't remember where, but there was some show where it was kind of highlighting people's blindness towards uh, the poor or the homeless. Okay. So what they did was they took like one person and their family member, like a husband or a brother or a sister or a mother and put them in clothes that would that you would expect of a hopeless person, made them sit at some random street where they knew their family member's going to pass by. Didn't see them, didn't recognize them. Wow. Yeah. I just want to say for the record, I would recognize Chris Hemsworth if he had glasses on in a fucking library. Oh, well, that's what we think. But our mind plays tricks on us. <laughs> Maybe it's because if I just saw a man that size and that attractive, I'm going to stare for a little while <laughs> to begin with. So I'm going to get a pretty good idea. Hey, hey, that's not just Kevin. <laughs> and at that point when Henry Cavill was talking about this, I was like, how the fuck, how on earth are people not looking at him? This guy is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, he doesn't do anything for me. Not for you, but for me, absolutely. Yeah, I get it. No, he's one of those people I understand. I understand objectively he is attractive, but I am not attracted to him. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I completely agree. And he's also fucking huge. Yes, exactly. That's nuts. So poor Karen, she can't reconcile these two ideas. She can't come to terms with the fact like, why would this guy save my life if he's out there killing cops and setting fires and explosions? This doesn't make sense. Yes, absolutely. So we can already see that 
the seeds of doubt are there. We know Karen and Foggy, so we know that it would be easy for us to understand their perspective. But a lot of people have been saved by Matt in the past. Right. Like Claire has mentioned that he does have a bit of a name. So those people who have been affected by him won't quite 100% believe it. Right. So Karen's not alone in her thinking. Is what I think. Yes. Yeah. And we will see in episodes to come that Foggy has very different opinions. Yes. Because he hasn't been personally affected by Matt. Well, in that way, he, as the as the masked man. He also has a different value system and comes from a different perspective than Karen. True, absolutely. Which he can afford to. He comes from, he's not experienced the kind of shit that Karen has. Hmm. Yet. Yet. So Matt is desperately trying to find a way out of this little predicament he's gotten himself into. Yeah. And the only way out that they can find, because they're basically the Ninja Turtles at this point, is a sewer grate. Yes. And once again, Matt can hear stuff. Yes. Now, I do want to clear one thing up. Some listeners may think, oh, this whole sewer grate, look at it. It's like, there's no way these tunnels, this is impossible. For those who don't know, New York is a city on top of a city. There is a huge, extensive tunnel system beyond just what the subways have under Manhattan. So this is 100% plausible. So is this connected to the steam stuff? No, this is just a huge, massive, sprawling underground tunnel system. Okay. While uh, Leonardo and Donatello here are (laughs) heading down into the sewer... When somehow Vladimir has the fucking strength to help Matt get this cover off the sewer grate, uh, this cover off to begin with. Okay. Yeah. Again, Matt is able to carry Vladimir, but he's not able to pick up the grate. I know it's a heavy thing. Don't get me wrong. I know it's heavy. Yeah. Uh, So they head down to the city under the city. And while they're doing that, Fisk's cops who like aren't even really cops. They're just a Merc squad. Yeah. They kill this poor, innocent cop who was just trying to do his job. Yeah. Again, just to set up Matt, here's another death that they're going to put on his hands. Yes. Not only did Matt kill people through by sniping at them, he also mercilessly stabbed this cop in the throat before he made his escape. Yeah. Smart move on Fisk's part, just to clarify. (laughs) Before, it used to be me, but now we can't get through an episode of Daredevil without Amy thoroughly complimenting the villain. (laughs) So now we come to the Batman dilemma. Which is? Vladimir telling Matt, if you want to take out Fisk, you're going to have to kill him. Right. And Matt's whole thing, just just like our caped crusader, he doesn't like to kill people. He hasn't killed anybody. That he knows of, at least. Yeah, but it's not just him. A lot of superheroes have that dilemma. Sure, but Batman is especially well known for this because of the Nolan movies. Right, true. He's the Dark Knight in particular, because he and the Joker have this conversation, (laughs) conversation, in the Dark Knight, where he's like, well, that's your one rule. Well, that's the one rule you're going to have to break. Mm. So that's exactly what Vladimir is telling him here. And the other thing that they both have in common... They both don't use guns. Yes. 
Well, that depends on who's making the movie. Well, that's true. Don't get me started, Zack Snyder. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually had to laugh here and just pity Matt. The idea, and I understand he's a lawyer. This is what he believes in. But the idea that he could dismantle Fisk's, Fisk's organization through the legal system is just laughable. Yes, for us it is because we ju- we know just how powerful Fisk is because we've seen the other side. We've seen his connections, his network, and that too not completely. But for Matt, he was in the dark right until now. Now, see, I feel like that's why I feel like the Nolan movies themselves do not exist in Matt's universe because if he had just seen The Dark Knight, he'd get it. So we wrap up here with Vladimir... Finally believing, after hearing that conversation with Fisk, finally believing that Matt is not working for him and is hell-bent on taking Fisk down. Yes. And he finally gives him the money guy, who is our rather funny Mr. Leland Owlsley. Yes. And I thought of Lau here again and the Joker, because looking at Owlsley, that's a squealer. Oh, yeah, he is. And again, despite how awful of a human being he is, I give Vladimir credit for making this last stand and going out on his own terms while Matt escapes. Yes. And standing up. He gets the fuck up somehow. Yeah, he does. He does. He knows he's a dead man walking. Literally. Yeah. And there is no way he can possibly escape from Fisk. No. This is it. But he decides I'm going out my way. Yeah. So this is where we leave off in episode six. Foggy still in the hospital, Karen by his side and Matt escaping down the tunnel away from Fisk's goon squad. Yes. And he does look good walking away. He, (laughs) Charlie Cox always looks good walking away. (laughs) (laughs) I think you would prefer him walking towards you. Um, I'm fine either way. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, walking away is probably better because if he's walking towards me, I'm just going to probably throw up on his shoes. So, you know. Well, after after you throw up on his shoes, he will definitely be walking away. <laughs> so win-win. <laughs> you know what? Good plan. Yeah. Good idea. Sorry, Charlie Cox. <laughs> My apologies. You've got more. You've got money for more shoes. You're fine. <laughs> Make sure you get yourself some protection. No, that sounds no. all right. Yeah. No. <laughs> You're trying to get me arrested. <laughs> One day it'll happen. One day at a comic con. I promise you, everyone. But not now. Okay. Um, I'm not coming to any comic cons with you. Never ever. Oh, you are legally bound to now, my friend. I will suddenly inexplicably be very, very sick on those days. So while you certainly won't be finding us at any Comic-Cons anytime in the near future, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at Marvel Madams. Indeed. Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Join us next week for Season 1, Episode 7 of Daredevil. So we can all watch Charlie Cox walk a little more. <laughs> oh, and for everybody who hasn't seen it yet, 
go check out It Chapter 2 if you really want to watch James McAvoy ride a bike. Also fun. Okay then. Scary movie. Not my cup of tea. Thank you very much. If you enjoy listening to us and you'd like an exclusive bonus episode about how we met and started the podcast, join our email list and we'll send you the link. Sign up on our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. I watched He-Man a little bit as a kid. Oh my God, so did I. Oh, cool. I swear to God, I'm not even kidding. He-Man was my first crush. Oh my God. <laughs> the cartoon character. <laughs> please, please, please don't. Don't ruin it for me. It's the one good memory I have with my dad. Please. <laughs> and now I'm thinking about the tiny little briefs he used to wear. Oh Lord. <laughs> I have the power. Oh my God.